0: Okay, is that working? Awesome. Good morning, church. So good to see you all. It's so interesting with that light. I can't really see your faces, so that's that's actually kind of nice. <laughs> okay, so I don't have much time, so I'm gonna jump right into my message. Um, I'm Laurie, by the way, if I haven't had the chance to meet you. My husband Peter and I are super privileged to be really involved here at Resurgent. So, like I said, I'm just gonna jump right in. But I just want to quickly recap. Um, two truths that we have been uh, hearing this month while we've been going through the, the book of Romans because I really want to make sure you have those two truths nailed down before I go in today's message. So first of all is, is the free gift of salvation. It's exactly what it says it is. It's free and it's a gift. You can't earn it you can't do anything. It's all based on what Jesus did. The second thing that I want to make sure you have nailed down is that you are made eternally righteous from when you believe in Jesus Christ. It is the finished work of Jesus. It's, it's, uh, it, there's nothing that can separate you from His love. Okay. So as I this um, this series is called living free, a revelation of righteousness. And as I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, we can hear this grace message. We can hear it. We can even say that we believe it, that there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. But it's the living free part that I think many of us struggle with. And what does that even mean? So as I read through the book of Romans, I really started to look at the Apostle Paul. It's a letter that he wrote to the, to the believers in the church in Rome. And uh, he was formerly formerly Saul. He, um, he was a man, he, not a deity, and he had flaws and struggles and issues, just like we do. He had been a fierce enemy of Christianity. He persecuted the early believers in the early church. And Pastor Andrew recently even said that he was the equivalent of what we would now call a terrorist. And so what can we learn from Paul? He was a guy who once he encountered Jesus, he did a complete 180 from his old life, his old self. And he went on to become one of the patriarchs of the Christian faith, of the Christian faith. So the grace that he received was a free gift, but what can we learn from how Paul responded to that free gift of grace so that we too can live free? So I'd just like to pray before I jump into uh, the two points that I want to share with you this morning. So thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are here. I pray, Lord, that you will take my small thoughts and words, and turn them into something that can really maybe help somebody today. So I just pray for you to be all over this message, God. Just, just I just pray for hearts to be um, ready to receive these truths in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Okay, so what can we learn from Paul, from how he worked out his salvation and lived out his righteousness? The, the Jesus who saved Paul is the very same Jesus who saved me, who saved you, or is who may be inviting you into a relationship with him today. We can all experience the same kind of radical transformation that Paul did. It's not reserved just for people in the Bible. It can be for any of us. And Lauren so beautifully last week taught us that Jesus wants to propel you into your destiny. So examining Paul's life is gonna give us the keys to unlocking the door into living in freedom. So my first point that I wanna share with you is that Paul overcame his human nature because he made a decision to believe God. Paul was radically saved, there's no doubt about it. He became a completely new person. He encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus and he completely turned his life around. It was miraculous, or was it? I titled this message, Paul, Miracle or Mindset. Was Paul's transformation simply miraculous, or was some of his will involved? He struggled with his human nature, just like we do. Romans 7, verses 15 to 18 says this. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Like the struggle is real, like I can, I can so, I can so relate to this. He even goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. Like, what a wretched woman I am. But then, in the very next verse, is Paul's declaration of the truth that he clings to. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What we can learn from Paul is that he became an overcomer of his human nature because he made a decision to believe God's promises. Part of working out our salvation is overcoming our unbelief. Instead of focusing on our doubts, our fears, our weaknesses, we choose to focus on God's promises and believing them. Yes, Paul had had an incredible encounter with Jesus, and that, some may think, made it pretty easy for him to believe. You know, many of us, we've experienced going to an awesome conference or hearing an incredible speaker or going away on a retreat, and you're on like this super spiritual high, and you feel like you're going to, you could believe God for anything. But then what happens? We come home, reality sets back in. We get back into our routine and those doubts and fears slowly start to creep back in. It was no different for Paul. The spiritual high that he had from meeting Jesus could only take him so far. So how did Paul deal with these spiritual lows? Romans 8 verse 5 says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. So it is a mindset. I have the control to choose what I set my mind on. I can set my mind on my circumstances, my feelings, my fears, my doubts, or I can set my mind on Jesus and his promises. Paul teaches us that his mindset, his choice to believe God was what gave him the victory to overcome and fulfill his destiny. So what about you? What do you focus on when you're in a valley? Your circumstances? Your fears? Paul was convinced That he had the resurrection power of Jesus available to him. Are you? Are you convinced of that? We can be held captive by our unbelief. Declare it out loud. God, I will believe you. Thank you. I believe in your power and I believe I have access to it. Awesome. Awesome. I love the participation. Thank you. Okay. Second, second key to living free that I learned from Paul is that he completely trusted God with his life. The message Romans chapter one, verse 17 says, the person in right standing before God by trusting him really lives. Wow. Like, Okay, but how? Paul uses um, the, the life of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 to explain trust. Verse 16 says, When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. He decided. God provides the way for us to be made right with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's free and it can't be earned. But to live in that freedom, that victory, we must choose to trust him. How can he demonstrate that his promises are true if I'm not willing to trust him so that he can prove himself to be trustworthy? It's like the ultimate catch 22. I have to choose to trust him and an act of surrender is required. So the best way for me to illustrate this to you is to tell you my own story, my own journey of choosing to trust God. Peter and I struggled through many years of parenting a rebellious and self-destructive teenager and there's many people in this room who know this story. And I won't go into too many details because that's actually her story to tell. But suffice it to say, it was one of the most challenging times in our marriage and in our family. My way of coping with her, our daughter, was to freak out, stress, worry, fret, pace the floor, wring my hands, beg God, plead with God, please change her. And all of this gave me this false sense of control. And it was also just pushing her farther and farther and farther away. So after several years of this, she was now in her early 20s and still making bad choices and ambivalent towards us and towards God. I had a moment with God when I heard him more audibly than I've ever actually heard God in my life. And he said to me, I can't display my trustworthiness, my promises to you until you stop fretting, stop manipulating and surrender her to me. God said to me, your controlling ways are getting in the way of the work I'm trying to do in her. So back off, (laughs) trust me. Focusing on trying to change her, and God said, I'm trying to change you. I want you to believe me, is what God said to me. And in that moment, I was completely blindsided by the truth that my ways weren't working and were probably even making things worse. I had to believe that God's way was better. I made the decision to let God have her, to believe that he loved her way more than I did. I chose to believe Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in her would see it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I chose to believe Romans 8.28 that with every bad choice she was making, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. I gave up trying to control her and gave control to God. And I finally had peace. And over time, because I was no longer this insane, controlling, hysterical, obsessive mom, our relationship began to improve and she slowly turned her life around. And the miracle is that this did not start to happen until I decided to trust God with her. Trust is a decision. It's like a muscle and the more we exercise it, the stronger it gets. So what about you? Is there an area of your life that you're refusing to trust with God, to surrender to God? Are your ways of dealing with it actually making it better or just giving you a false sense of control? Or like me, making the situation even worse. It's kind of like Dr. Phil's famous line, how's that working for you? <laughs> okay, are y'all ready to hear the hard truth? Like I want to say out loud to me, we're ready to hear the hard truth. <laughs> God will most likely not change your circumstances, whatever that difficult thing is, if it's a relationship or like for us, a strong-willed child, an annoying neighbor, whatever. God will probably not change that situation until you change. Now, hear my heart on this and hear this in context. I am not saying that God, through the power of prayer, doesn't can change people or change situations. That is not what I'm saying. What I mean here is that God may not change your situation until you give up control and trust him. To receive the miracle, the breakthrough, you have to change your mindset. You must make a decision to not set your mind on the problem but set your mind on the problem solver. Yes. That is where you will find freedom and victory. God's word says in Isaiah 26:3, you, meaning God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And what I love about the Apostle Paul was his sense of urgency for his readers to have the, the revelations of truth. His readers would be us. It's not just for the church in Rome, this is for us too. He had a sense of urgency for us to get these revelations of truth. His heart literally broke for those that were still imprisoned by their unbelief. So I urge you, church, today to hear this truth. Belief is a decision. Trust is a decision experience the freedom of living in victory by choosing to believe his promises and trust him with your life today. Thank you so much. I, I, thank you. I invite Carlo up. Maybe stand for Carlo as he comes.
1: Thank you. What an incredible word. Could we give Lori one more hand? So strong, Lori, so strong. Well, if you don't know me, my name's Carlo. I'm part of the key team here at Resurgent. I've been here since the beginning, and it's been an incredible honor and privilege to be a part of this church and just being able to see it grow and being able to grow here. Um... And it's an incredible privilege to be able to be speaking today and just sharing uh, just my journey on the living free and uh, things that I've been doing and what I'm working out. So I'm going to jump straight into the Word. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. So as Lori said, we're in the series of living free this month. And in order for us to live free, something needs to happen. There's there's some form of transformation that needs to happen. And the scripture declares that it's by the renewing of our mind. So so how do we get this? How do we get the renewing of our mind to happen? And the first thing is, is, many of us might already be in a relationship with Jesus, but some people aren't. And even if you are, I encourage you that living free, it comes down to going into a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus okay so how do we go deeper with him if I wanted to go deeper in my relationship with Julian for example who loves Julian here if I wanted to go deeper with Julian what do I have to do Um, we need to to hang out. We need to get together. We need to talk. We need to start opening up and slowly but surely will we start understanding each other on a whole new level. And this is what we need for transformation to happen. We need to understand what Jesus has done for us. And Lori shared some of it so beautifully and I'm going to go over some of it so you guys are getting a double dose. Maybe it'll be different. Um, But we're going to go, what has Jesus done for us? And it's all summed up in the finished work on the cross and the resurrection. So what did the death on the cross give us? Okay, I believe the, the, the death on the cross gave us the gift of grace. What is the gift of grace? It could mean so many things in this context. I'll use it as it's our salvation, forgiveness of sins, and it was a free unmerited gift. You don't need to earn it. Okay, so... As, so I'll just talk about forgiveness for a second, is we stand righteous and we stand whole. Second Corinthians 5:21 says, "He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made right." We might be made right and once God makes us right with Himself, we'll never be wrong again. We are forgiven. Our past, present, our future sins, all our sins are forgiven. Even when the world and when people and when even Christians try to put it on us, we have the ability and we stand in the heritage of Jesus to say that, no, I'm pointing at the cross. I'm forgiven. It is paid for. The price has been paid for. I don't receive that today and I'm going to walk free of sin, guilt and shame. The next thing is we look at the resurrection and this to me just represents that we have victory over our death, that we could rise above things. So any illness, any anxiety, any stress, any addiction, any pain, we stand in the heritage that we could get up and move past it. The last thing is that these were given freely to us, a a free unmerited gift. We don't need to earn His love. We don't need to earn the forgiveness of sins. It is already done. Jesus says that we are seated at the right hand of the Father. Notice how I say we are seated and we're not standing because there's no more effort that needs to be involved. We don't need to strive. We don't need to try any longer. We are seated at the right hand of the Father and we are made righteous and whole forever. If there's one area in our lives where we want to be disciplined with, where I believe that we can fight for, it's, it's exactly what Laurie said. Let's fight for the way that we think and let's fight for what we believe. And this is all in our minds, okay? So we're going to go to the renewing process, so renewing of the mind. We need to get the message of the finished work from an idea in our heads to a way of living in our hearts. Okay. And recently I was just chatting with a friend and he was going through some stuff and I, I was just declaring the gospel of grace over his life, just explaining to him, man, you're free, you're forgiven. I just want you to know if you do get tripped up that, that you have the ability to get up, not, not the next week, not the next day, one second later, we have the ability to get up and stand and say, no, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven and he kind of looked at me puzzled and he and he just he really reminded me of myself like as I'm just on this journey and I just went on this journey and he just said Carlo everything you're saying everything you're saying I feel like I've heard this my whole life I've heard all of this, but I'm just not experiencing it. And I too was at that place and still am on this journey. But what we need to do is, like I said, we need to get the message from an idea in our head to a way of living in our hearts. Okay, why do I say our hearts? Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from the heart. Okay, so we're going to look super practically on the ways to our heart. Okay, this is not our physical beating heart. This is our spiritual heart, other known as our soul. So, what are the ways to our heart? What are the ways to our soul? Number one is what are we looking at? What do we see? So, what environments? What environments are we putting ourselves? Whoa, that's better. What environments are we putting ourselves in? That What are we looking at? Number two, what are we listening to? What are we hearing? Who are we listening to? Number three, what are we speaking? What are we declaring out of our mouth and confirming? And number four, if we address the first three, we will address this one. But we can be super intentional with this as well as what are we thinking about? What's going through our head? Okay, so we're gonna look at Romans 12 2 again, but we're gonna go to the message. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. How good is that? Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So I just want to share with you guys on just my journey of what I did to just um, control the environments I'm around. uh, Making sure, trying to see who am I around, who's speaking into my life, what am I listening to, what am I looking at, what am I hearing on a day-to-day basis. And the main thing for me was I got saved uh, when I was 17. I left church for about two, three years. During that time, I lost my mom and uh, I went on a great journey and uh, I came back to church now I'm here forever in Jesus name this is what I'll be doing with my life but um, I was living this life and I was coming to church and interns and just getting the word in me and but I was still involved in hockey. I played hockey since I'm seven years old. At a time, it was a, a massive anchor for me. I grew up in an incredibly chaotic environment, and it was the only structure I had in my life. So I was holding on to this thing for my past life. But every, I realized that every time I'm going, two days later, I'm like filled with condemnation and shame and guilt, and I'm trying to understand what's happening. And what was happening was I was just putting myself back into my old environment with my old friends who are reminiscing about my past, who are reminding me, reminding me of my past and then all of a sudden I'm walking and it's taking me two days to get out of it and so I just I had to give it up and it was a massive decision for me because seriously it was a huge anchor for my life and to play hockey and sports are incredible what they could do but it was dragging me back like the scripture says always dragging you down to its level of maturity so I had to give that up and just remove myself from the environment and that gave more time for me to um, get involved with like-minded like-spirited people The other thing I did, and I was super intentional about this, and some of you might think I'm crazy, but it's seriously, it's changed my life and it still is, is I went home and I I took out my computer and I just typed up my revelation of grace. And I just put affirmations, I'm forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross I stand healed I am made whole I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and I just typed it up and I put it on my wall and I rigged my whole apartment with scripture and everywhere I was looking I just couldn't get away from scripture and then and I just did this I took five minutes every single morning starting 2017 in January and I just declared scripture over my life and I tell you the first week nothing really happened it was just me saying something for five minutes then the next week nothing happened. it was me just saying something for five minutes but after the third week after the fourth week I realize now that I'm meditating on the Word of God that when I'm seeing people from my past I'm saying no I'm not going there that's in the past Jesus already paid for this I stand forgiven I stand righteous I stand whole in the name of Jesus and slowly but surely I'm getting the message from in my from an idea in my head to a way of living in our heart. And I used to live this life of bondage and captive, but now as I meditated and I got this message in my heart, I have the opportunity to live how Jesus wants us to live and I get to live free. And I just want to encourage us today that we can all have this, we can all be transformed. So I just want to take a moment before I welcome up Aaron, if, if that's you, could we just all close our eyes? And if we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, will you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. If you wish, hands up all over this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray right now that hearts would be open, God. That they would receive this word that you have given them, Lord, and they would take it and they would run with it, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, if anyone is struggling with condemnation, Lord, that they would just know that they stand free, that they stand righteous, that they stand whole. In the name of Jesus, I pray that they would just take time and just meditate. On the word of God, and they would get uh, the message and the gospel of grace from an idea in our head to a way of living in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. We're gonna welcome Aaron up. How good was Carlo?
2: I love seeing what God's doing in him, and I think we should just all go home right now. Awesome. No, 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 I don't get out of it that easy. Okay, so hi, my name is Erin. Um, I've been here since the beginning of church helping out. Um, I've got a six-month-old, so you mightn't have seen me as much around lately because I've been doing the mum thing, but I've still been been here in spirit and um, loving it. So, well, when I was asked to speak this week, I was like, oh, gosh, okay, what will I speak about? Because there's so many different areas in which we need to find freedom in our lives. And I felt like God was nudging me towards a lot of people struggle with me as a father. And I automatically went, no, I don't want to talk about daddy issues. It's like the, the psychology major talking about daddy issues. Well, that's, you know, we expected that. But, um, and I also automatically went straight to, um, who's seen Finding Nemo? Yes. And the sharks are having their AA meeting like Meat Eaters Anonymous and Bruce is up there and he's like, I never knew my father. and All the the, the issues around come from that. And I was like, okay, I just want to clarify off the bat that this is not what that is, okay? So if you're thinking this is what is happening, that's not what's happening. All right, so. (laughs) Um, And I, yeah, I struggled with it. I thought, really? But then that week I actually had four separate encounters with people talking about this very issue. So I thought, okay, God, let's talk about it. (laughs) Um, And I also just want to clarify, this is not a dad blaming session, okay? There are so many awesome dads out there and we are all adults here, are we not? Adults, adults in the room, nearly adults in the room, awesome. So we alone are um, in control of the condition of our heart. So we move on from here. So whatever's happened in the past, we move on from here and we go forward Okay, so I was reading through Romans and I found this scripture, Romans eight fifteen. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? Straight there, I stopped and I was like, okay, that's it. Because father or Papa to many people could mean many different things. It could be defender, hero, loved, constant, or it could be unreliable, angry, distant, rejected, absent, or just simply uninterested. So the spectrum is endless. The World Health Organization actually says that one of the greatest factors affecting human physical and psychological well-being today is that of fatherlessness. So it's actually a huge issue. Even the world is taking note that this is what's going on in our lives. So I'll just start with a quick little story about my fatherlessness. Um, (laughs) So I grew up without my father around and never really thought much about it. When I was 18, my friends and I were going fruit picking. I said to mum, cool, we're going fruit picking. Everyone in Australia does that. You finish school, you go fruit picking, make a couple of thousand, go on a holiday. So this is our plan. (laughs) Me and my best friend. Anyway, I told my mum and she's like, you are not going fruit picking. Whoa, that's a weird reaction to fruit picking every time I brought it up. So then eventually she's like, okay, so I went fruit picking. And um, long story short, had it off with the orchard owner's son, and then here's me. So that's my story. And I didn't think much of it at the time. I was like, okay, well, right, well, that's where I come from. All I learned was his name was Mark Jones, the most common name in the entire world. And he grew up in Young as an orchard owner's son. Young is a little town in Australia. So I walked away from that, not thinking much, until probably about 10 years later, I happened to be driving past a giant sign on a highway. It said, "Visit Young," arrow this way. I find myself driving off the road, to Young. I find myself in the McDonald's of Young because there weren't very many cafes in Young sitting there, eating my chicken McNuggets, thinking, what are you even doing here? This is ridiculous. Because it's not the smallest town, it's about 50,000 people. But I was like, oh, okay. This was completely just on autopilot. And then I can remember just thinking, okay, God, if I'm meant to meet him today, I'll go to one shop and I'll ask if anyone knows him. So I went to one shop, a little agricultural shop right next to McDonald's, as it is. And um, I'm talking to the shop owner. I'm like, excuse me, you don't happen to know a Mark Jones, whose dad owns owns an orchard around here, do you? Um, Somebody overhears our conversation. I know him. He lives at this address. I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay. All right, we're doing this. I ring my best friend. Okay, this is what I'm doing. This is the address. If I don't ring you back in an hour, please ring the police and send them. (laughs) Because you never know what you're gonna get in country Australia, it's true. Anyway, so I rock up, I'm from the country, so I'm talking about myself. Um, I rock up to this place, knock on the door, and this guy answers. And uh, he's Aboriginal, so he's quite dark-skinned. I'm like, no, I think I've <laughs> got the wrong, wrong house. Anyway, he's like, oh no, he used to live here. He lives up now around the corner, he just built a house why? I said, oh, well, if it's the guy, I think it is, might be my father, might not, you know, and he's like, oh, wow, that makes us cousins, high five, I'm like, high-fiving this guy going, what? <laughs> anyway, he's like, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a loner, never home, but you might catch him, give it a go, so get back in the car, and I um, rock up to the door, and it's sort of like this frosted glass, so you can see what's happening in there, but They can't see out and you can't quite make out shapes. Anyway, I'm knocking and there's all these people running around like crazy in there, but no one's answering the door. So later on, I find out that that guy had rung up, give them a heads up, (laughs) that I was coming and they were having a family event. So everyone is there, grandparents, um, uncles, aunties, the new children who knew nothing of me. Um, And I, I rock up to the door and eventually someone answers And they're like, come in. I'm like, but um, I'm not sure if this is, come in. I'm like, okay. So I walk into the lounge room to pretty much a room. It felt like it was filled like this of people just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, wow. Um, And then this guy comes out. He was in the bathroom quickly shaving, comes out with my hair. And my mum has straight blonde hair. So I was like, there it is. So there was no denying that that was my father. And anyway, so long story short, we spent, you know, an hour or two um, reminiscing, going over photos, catching up on what was. And um, also, funny note, this has nothing to do with it, but my mum rang while I was there and I can never lie to my mum, I'm really bad at it. She's like, Erin, where are you? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm on my way home, blah, blah, blah. Erin, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Young. She's like. Don't you dare try and find him. Right, right, you'll be so disappointed. All these sort of things. And anyway, I'm like, I'm in his lounge room. <laughs> She's like, what? Anyway, um, but it turns out she was right. Like it was awesome to meet him, but he was very underwhelming. He was very uninterested. He never tried to contact me again after that. But it was really cool because after that, I was thinking through it with God The serendipitousness of just everything that happened to get me to that point, to meet this man, and afterwards as I walked out, as I was driving home, he was talking it through with me, um, that, see, I have everything in control. I am the one who was there when this person wasn't. I was the one that has seen you through all your struggles. I'm the only one that you need to feel valued and fulfilled in this area of your life. So, um, as underwhelming as it was, it was all put together, all orchestrated by God for that exact moment to give me that exact revelation. Because I thought I was whole in that area. I thought, oh, I'm all good, you know. I'm 24. It's not like I'm still looking for a dad. But there is still that underlying yearning in our hearts sometimes. So, no matter what sort of relationship you've had with your dad, whether it was he was absent, he was abusive... He was cold. He was ignoring of you or just plain uninterested in your life. God has always been interested in your life. Every single little detail, He knows. He cares about those times that you're crying by yourself in your bed. We all do it. <laughs> Especially girls with a tub of ice cream. But <laughs> He's seen it all and He knows it all and He still loves you completely. Okay? So I love that God also is a father who instructs us. He doesn't just leave us with all these feelings and then, all right, cool, you're on your own, sort it out. He instructs us. So what is the way out of it? The second part of that scripture that I read out was Romans eight, sixteen to seventeen. God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are Father and children. And we know that he's going to get, that we are going to get what's coming to us an unbelievable inheritance. So that's it. That's exactly what it is. There's no striving in it, it's just coming to him, maybe bringing your baggage, your distrust of his father heart towards you, and just laying it all out in front of him. God is literally waiting on the other end for you to bring it all to him. And this is not something that you can just psychologically relearn. It's through relationship and through experience. God's spirit is interacting with ours and it's in worship, it's in relationship and it's in time spent with him. God wants us to trust him completely and come freely, knowing that we are the delight of his heart. Like when I was young, I used to see people run up and sit on their dad's lap and just be so free in it. That's what God wants to do with you. That gives us a confidence that's rooted in Him, not in past, not in how somebody has treated us, but completely in Him. So if there's anyone here who has been struggling with something like this in their lives, I'd like us to pray over it right now. So if everyone can close their eyes. If that's you, I'd just like you to lift your hand. There's no judgment in this at all. If you've been struggling with just being able to come to God as Father, completely free, we're just gonna pray now. Thank you, God, that you are our Father. Thank you that you see us, that we matter completely, that you've gone to the ends of the earth for us you do anything to defend us, God. Thank You that You are our Father and nothing can come between us. And God, we just pray that You'll just open up our hearts to be able to come to You in freedom, complete and utter freedom. Thank You, Jesus. And while we're here, keeping our eyes closed, I'd like to just pray as well for anyone who's just struggling with God full stop. Like, who is He? And what, does He really want a relationship with me? What does this even mean? What is relationship with God? I just wanna read Romans 8, 29, 30. Just let these words sink into your heart. God knew what He was doing from the beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as that of the Son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity restored we see the original and intended shape of our lives in Him. After God made the decision of what His children should be like, He followed it up by calling people by name. After He called them by name, He set them on solid basis with Himself. And then after getting them established, He stayed on until the end, gloriously completing what He had begun. So if you're here today and you find yourself Listening to these three speakers and something in your heart has been stirred. It's like a little wall has cracked open. Your heart is beating. It's like it's beating for the first time. You feel just a sense of relief almost. I just wanna pray for you. And I wanna suggest that maybe God has orchestrated this whole moment so that He could just break through to you. He wants you to know that you're loved beyond measure and that He sent His Son Jesus so that you'd never have to live under a dark, dark cloud of condemnation ever again. It's time to assume your real identity. God has seen it all and He knows it all and He still wants you. So if that's you, with all eyes closed, on the count of three, I'd like you to lift your hand one god is so here and two he's so for you and three i see that hand there and there thank you jesus thank you god awesome see that hand thank you god that you are so into restoring hearts And I want us all to pray, everyone praying out loud together. Thank you, God, that you have come for me, that you've always been here for me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so that I can be in relationship with you. God, please help me to walk out this with you from this day forward. Amen. Awesome. (laughs) So I just want you to know that if you've made this decision right now, this is an unfolding thing. It's not, I've put my hand up, I've accepted Jesus. All of my problems are miraculously gone. But God is for you. God is on your side. God wants to help you and walk you through this. And He will. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Have a good one. Come on, let's give it up for Erin.